Welcome home. Got to tell two at least, at least two. Welcome home. Welcome home, especially if this is your first time. I know Casey said it, but I got to say it again. If this is your first time at Meadows, man, we're super excited that you're here, believing that God is going to do something supernatural. So something I know about me and about you is we're always counting on somebody in our lives, right? You're counting on somebody to, to do something or say something or show up in a certain way. And uh, it takes me to a story of when my wife Jody and I moved to Omaha oh, just over two years ago, we, uh, our whole life was kind of disrupted. I mean, the whole schedule thing, it was different. Never planted a church before, never did anything like that. So I'm uh, doing this thing and meeting people and Jody's got a new job and that's new for her. Kids got a new school that they jump in with only like a month or two left of school for that year. So it's all new and it's all crazy. And um, I'm at an appointment one, I don't know what, uh, someday during the week. And I'm at this appointment meeting this person, talking about what God is doing and wants to do in Omaha and in you and we're talking and my phone goes off and I look down at it and I don't recognize the number and you know what you do you just ignore it so I ignored it thought I'm in this conversation with this guy I'm going to give him all my attention I mean two minutes later this rude person again like attacking and I thought and you ever you ever have it in life where you know you're supposed to like be doing something but you don't know what you ever have that feeling so yeah so I didn't even have that feeling I should have had that feeling but I didn't and, and so because I didn't have that feeling I hit ignore again Third time, I thought, this person, fine. Who, what's going on here? Uh, and I answer it. And as soon as I heard what they said on the other side, I thought, crap. Because what the, with the other side, what they said was, uh, Mr. Gannon, yeah, this is the elementary school. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my kids. Like, I was supposed to pick my kids up from school. I, yeah, I'm that parent. So I totally freak out. I stand up. I'm like, oh, I forgot my kids. And you would have thought, like, they got abducted by somebody. I was going crazy. I don't know why we go so nuts. It's like they're counting on you, and, and, and you've forgotten them. And I just I jump in my car, and I'm driving to the school. And uh, But you picture your kids sitting in the principal's office, and you, you picture the principal feeling bad for them. Oh, your parents obviously don't love you. Uh, the teachers thinking, you know, the kids are walking by with their mom and dad. Oh, it's poor Ava and Jake. You don't, you don't, your dad doesn't care about you. And I, it was just, all these things go through your head. So I'm freaking out. I get to the school. Um, but they were, you were counting on me. Like you were counting on dad to pick you up and dad let you down. I've gotten better. I've only done that like two or three times since then. So it's, that's not bad. That's not bad. But, and do me a favor. Tell, the, tell your neighbor I'm counting on you. Tell your neighbor, I'm counting on you. See, what you did there, you just gave your neighbor the title of today's message. See, oh my gosh, God's going to speak to you today. I, I hope you came to hear a word that wants to change your life. I do. I really hope you did. Check this out. I'm counting on you. That's basically what Jesus told the hope of the world, the first church. That's what he said. Before he, before he uh, after he rose from the dead and he rose up into heaven, he, he basically said, guys, women, I'm counting on you. That's what he basically told them. In the Great Commission, many of you know this, but if you don't know it, I'll read it to you real quick. It's like two, two verses, three verses. Let me correct that. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So these are some of the last words Jesus speaks, right? Say, I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you. Okay, Jesus said to them, this is it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I'm counting on you. You need to go. You need to go and make disciples. You need to baptize them in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I'm telling you, everything I've taught you. Teach others to do what I'm telling you to do. And know that, then this is what I've commanded you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Some of the final words that Jesus would give 
basically, you're it. I'm counting on you. But something, what you may not know about the first church, what happened in the next few, few years wasn't a whole lot. You would think, okay, this is the movement of God. This is the first church. Jesus has gone up into the clouds now physically, and he sent his Holy Spirit. But not much in the first few years really happened. Like there's not, I mean, it's supposed to be a movement, but the movement really isn't moving. It has not gone real far. And I don't know what the conversation was between Jesus and his dad, but I have to imagine it went something like this. It's like God's looking down at the first church and, you know, going to all nations. They're not, they haven't gone into all nations, and it's been years. And God's like, Jesus, come here for a second. I got to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, what's up, dad? What is it? Is it my room again? Is it dirty? Yeah, Jesus, it is. Your room is filthy. Pick it up for one thing. What, were you born in a barn? And Jesus is like, well, actually, Dad, it kind of was. Okay, shut up, Jesus. Just clean your room. So that's not even the point. Jesus, look at this. Look at your church. Look at our church. See, that's a movement going into all nations, but they haven't gone hardly anywhere, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Look at that. They haven't even gone into Council Bluffs yet. You know, you know they need me in Council Bluffs, don't you, Jesus? I'm kidding. I love, I'm just relating it to the message. You get it. So um, my point is they have not gone far. Okay, Council Bluffs isn't far. Don't. Why do you do that? So we need Jesus everywhere. So, but, but God is saying, or God's saying, Jesus, what's going on here? And Jesus is like, Dad, I know. I've been meaning to talk to you about it. I know Peter and John and the disciples, they're still kind of just spinning their wheels down there by Jerusalem. And God's like, all right, we got to shake things up. And Jesus is like, all right, Dad, what do you want to do? He's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's send an angel to Cornelius. Cornelius, that, the Roman officer in, that lives in like Caesarea? Yep. Yep, send an angel there. And then let's show up to Peter in a vision. And Jesus is like, that's awesome. I love, I love screwing with Peter in, in vision. So let's do that, yeah. And so let's start with that. Let's see if we can get this movement moving. That's where we pick up the story in Acts 10. If you brought a Bible, you got a mobile app, whatever you use, Acts is the first book after the Gospels. So New Testament, okay, post-Jesus on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels of Jesus, and then Acts. That's where we are today, Acts 10. So, so let me, in fact, do I have my pointer? I haven't used my pointer in a while. You guys need, I will try not to point it at your eye, but do we have that map? I, I need to give some context. So here's Jerusalem. That's kind of the hub of the church. That's, a, that's where it all began. Bethlehem, remember the barn where Jesus was born right there. Um, so today's story for all of us takes place in this area. Caesarea, that's where Cornelius lives. He's a Gentile. That just means he's not a Jew. That's most of the people. And then there's Jaffa, it's pronounced. Jaffa, and that is where uh, Peter's hanging out. So that, this is where our story takes place. But look at this. Jerusalem's here. Jaffa's here, like 30 miles. That's how far Peter's made it so far with, with, with the good news. Um, so these guys up here haven't even heard the gospel yet. And that's where, that's where, that's where Cornelius is and, and his buddies. So, so, so Jesus, or God said, let's send an angel here. Let's show up to Peter here. And let's see what we can get done here in all this whole thing. So there's a context. So, so you can leave it up there for a second. Actually, put the scripture up there next because it's verse 4. It says, Corne the, the, the angel showed up in Caesarea to Cornelius. And Cornelius, Cornelius is freaking out. He's like, oh my gosh. He looks at him in terror. He says, what is it, sir? Very polite. And he, he asked the angel. And the angel said, Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have not gone unnoticed by God. 
Wow. So just right there, some of you, maybe that's all you needed to hear today. Like when you pray to God, as you keep praying and you keep wondering, God, are you even listening? Like, do you even care? Do you know I'm struggling? Do you you know that they're still sick? You know that that, that's still dysfunctional? You know that's still messed up? And God's like, you know what? I'm I'm hearing your prayers. I may not be answering according to what you want, but but God was hearing Cornelius' prayers. Not only that, but as Cornelius, it's hard to say, as he gave, God, God saw that. When you give love week, say love week. Love week starts today. Love week, when you love supernaturally this week, God sees it. God sees it and God will bless it. So I, that's, so, but it, it, it something else about Cornelius that, that I need to tell you. He was a religious guy. Okay, he's praying to God. He doesn't know Jesus. He's religious, but he's not saved. That's where he is. That's where a lot of people are. Can I tell you that? That's where I was most of my life. I believe there's a lot of people doing a lot of religiosity and a lot of rituals and following a lot of rules, but they don't know Jesus. Uh, And I'm not judging anybody. That was me. See, Cornelius knew a lot of rituals. He would know a lot of rules. But what, at least what set him apart from a lot of people, I think, is he knew he needed something different. He knew he needed Jesus, right? It, It isn't just, well, I go to church, I'm good. No, I'm glad you're here at church, but going to church doesn't save you. Well, I don't watch R-rated movies, so I got that going for me, so I should be okay. I don't say those certain words, so I should be okay. You know, I don't smoke or chew or go with girls that do, so I should be okay, right? What? Girls chew? Yes, I've met them, and they scare the heck out of me. So, they, I, I'm not kidding you. West River, South Dakota, it's going down there. So, anyway, I don't know about Nebraska, but South Dakota, yes. Uh, in fact, I finally told Jody, listen, if you want to get married, you got to put the Copenhagen away. I mean, I'm just kidding. She, so, <laughs> She didn't chew. She smoked a lot, but didn't chew. I'm kidding. Okay, okay. Um, so we think, we think uh, like when I went to confession in Catholic school, I, I grew up Catholic, so I went to a Catholic grade school. And we'd go to confession, and for me it was the ritual. Like I'd go to confession, I'd get in front of the priest, or I, I'd go like, I didn't go, in, I didn't go face-to-face, I was too scared. So I went with a little screen in front of me, and then I'd try to change my voice so he wouldn't know it was me. It was weird. But I'd, I'd confess my sins, and they'd give you a penance. And a penance was like what you're supposed to do to be absolved or have your sins, you know, taken away. And it could be like, say, 10 Hail Marys, that's a prayer, or say 10 Our Fathers, we call it the same as the Lord's Prayer. Go say those, and then you'd be good. So I remember getting done at confession, I'd run out to the pew, and I'd kneel down, and I'd be like, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed are thou among women, and blessed are the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And I'd say it like 10 times as fast as I can. And then I'd get up, I'd be like, Woo! I'm good, I'm done. I could get hit by a bus today, and I'd go straight to heaven. Not that I want to get hit by a bus, but I was, I, I was just like, yes! But the problem was with my religion, and I'm not dissing the Catholic Church. Again, I got my foundation for Jesus there. I'm just telling you, with me, it was rituals. And I knew that the the slate was clean. But the problem was when I left the church, about three minutes later, the slate wasn't clean anymore. I would think something. I would do something. I would say something. And and sin would happen. And I'd be like, crap, now i got to avoid buses for the next three months until I get back to confession. But it was just, it was this ritual for me. My gosh, I've made it one verse so far. We, this could be a while. So my, my point is Cornelius, religion, all that, but he knew he needed more. See, some of you, you, you got the religious thing down. You just don't have the relationship down. It's okay. I'm going to show you where to find it. So look at this. Now send men to Joppa. So this is the angel still talking to Cornelius. Send men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. So now we go to Simon's story, remember? So we're done with Cornelius and the angel. Now remember, God said, show up, to, show up to Simon Peter in a vision. So Peter is praying, falls into a trance, and has this vision, remember, from, from God. And the vision, it's nuts. It's like a sheet, like a bed sheet, coming down from heaven, and it's got all these animals on it. 
I mean, picture that, a huge sheet coming down. The, the sky separates, it says, and it comes down. Like, repeat after me, holy sheet. This was a holy sheet coming down from heaven. I, yeah, so, but there's animals on it. It's weird. So look at what it says in Acts 12 now. In the sheet were all sorts of animals. Reptiles were on it and birds. And a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill him and eat him. <laughs> okay, that's strange. Peter says two words you should never say to God. He says, no, Lord. That's a mistake. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. I never would do that. And some of those animals on that sheet, we don't eat that. And we don't do that. There's a pig on there. I don't eat bacon. Right? That cow that you got on there, that need, the blood needs to be drained from that. That's a rule. And, and that, that's where I would have a problem, honestly. Like, like, okay, quick poll. Who, when you get a steak or prime rib or whatever, like rare or medium rare? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah, praise God. Okay, so what about the ones you say done or well done? Okay, you and, I, you and I could never hang out. We never could, okay? I don't even get it. Like, you need to repent, right? That cow did not give his life for you to order a steak well done. I'll tell you that right now, straight up. He didn't. Oh, my gosh. So, but, but, but see, for the Jews, for like Peter, dietary restrictions were a huge deal. Huge deal. But Jesus came to take something away. He came to fulfill something, I should say it, to, to bring something new. But the, but the Jews, they were still mixing old stuff with it. And the dietary restrictions, that, that was something that Jesus was coming to fulfill. But it's hard for them. That's all they know. So they're holding on to that. But the whole sheet thing was to show Peter, it doesn't, that don't matter anymore. That's old law. That's old covenant, okay? I, I came to show you something new. But to break that diet, okay, to break that diet was to break a covenant for a Jew. So God knew it would take a lot to get, a hold, get into Peter's noggin. So that dream was repeated three times. And Peter, the Bible says Peter didn't get it. And, but then he's awakened by somebody at his door, right? So guess who's at the door? Three guys showing up from Caesarea. And they say, and Peter says, why have you guys come? And, 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 Peter, and the holy angel instructed Cornelius, he says, to send us to you. So you could go to his house and give him a message. So that's what the three people came. So now you see how this Tarantino movie is coming together. We got Cornelius, we got Peter, and they're coming together. And, and it's crazy. So here's the thing, though. The angel said, Peter doesn't want to go. I mean, I'll show you this in Scripture. And this is a perfect opportunity. They want to hear a message. They want to hear the gospel. So, Peter, this is what you're called to do. Like, this is like, they're, they're laying it out for you. This is it. It doesn't get any easier than this, Peter. You have a captive audience. They're ready, to, they're ready to be saved. They're ready to learn what Jesus did for them. You would think that, I mean, this is in sales. It's like they're, they're on the hook, and all you got to do, Peter, is reel them in. But Peter, I, I, what he says to them tells me that he was not excited to even go to talk to them. I'll show you what he said. So Peter does go to Caesarea. He does go into the house of Cornelius. And Cornelius, he wants other people to hear the good news too. He has a, he has a living room full of people, of Gentiles, these non-Jews. And, and listen to what Peter says. You know, Mr. Receptivity. Peter's like, this is verse, I don't know what verse this is. Hopefully they're, um, 28, I think. So we're in 1028. Peter says as he gets in that living room with Cornelius and his buddies, you know it's against the law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home, like to even associate with you. That's what Peter says. 
Go into all nations, Peter. Love all people. And Peter steps in. He goes, you know I shouldn't even be here. You know I shouldn't. I wonder what Jesus did when he said that. Jesus is probably in heaven like, oh, Peter. Because you said that, Peter, I'm going to send you the worst case of hemorrhoids you've ever had. Why are you saying that? You were with me at the Last Supper. You were with me when I said, love others the way that I love you. You were with me at the Great Commission when I went up into heaven and said, go into all nations. Peter, you are in my inner circle. And this is what you're saying? But thank God that vision that Peter was given with the sheet, it's it's in his mind. So let's finish what Peter said. Remember, he said, I shouldn't even be here. But, say but. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So, so, so the vision is getting through to Peter, slowly but surely. So Peter is seeing now that, okay, God's showing me something. But even the fact that Peter said that proves that he thought they were impure and unclean, right? This, this what I'm showing you, this, this, this narrative, this took place about 10 years after the resurrection. 10 years after, Peter is still admitting, I thought they were impure, I thought they were unclean. But God is getting through to me. God is doing something. And it says in verse 34, Peter says, I now realize. In other words, it's taken me a while, but I now realize. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. This is Peter's like John 3.16, for God so loved the whole world moment. He's finally getting it. It's finally sinking in. Peter's starting to understand, oh my gosh, God's good news, God's grace, it really has nothing to do with our old laws. It has everything to do with him bringing something new. That Peter is getting it. All people matter to God. All people. All people. This, you know what this means? It means that you and I, we can no longer pick and choose who we're going to, like, be friends with or who we're going to love or how we're going to love during love week or any other week. All people, we think, oh, it's lowering the bar. The Jews would lower the bar to let the Gentiles in. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, he, had a, he, he attracted the lowest of the low. And you know how he did it? It wasn't because he compromised his message. It wasn't because he lowered the bar. It wasn't because he catered to their, catered to their every little way. It's because he loved them. He didn't judge them, but he loved them right where they were at. And because of that love, they were attracted to it. In Love Week, Casey already told you this, but man, I'm praying that you'll go on the website, talk about what you'll do for Love Week specifically, above and beyond what you would normally do, and do it. And do it so we can be, so we can not hold back the love that God wants us to show to a community of Omaha and beyond. That's what it's all about. So Peter, you know what Peter does? Peter preaches the gospel that day in that living room. And guess what? The Bible says Peter's still talking, and the Holy Spirit finally says, enough, I'm just going to show up. Peter, you ain't shutting up. So the Holy Spirit shows up, fills the room, fills the people, and they're saved. Peter preaches the word of God, and go figure, when the word of God goes forth, and you do what Jesus says, your life will change. We overcomplicate it all the time. Rituals, uh, traditions, or whatever. And I'm not, tradition, there's value there. You know, but, but don't let them trump the relationship of Jesus Christ. That's the key. They, they found Christ because of Peter. Because Peter was obedient. Let me ask you a question. What if Peter would have said, ah, this vision is weird. I don't even understand it. The animals, and I'm just gonna, I'm, just, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to Caesarea. I'm not going to meet Cornelius and his buddies. I ain't doing it. What if Peter wouldn't have did that? I wonder if Cornelius and his buddies would even be in heaven today. What if Peter would have said no? 
brings me to your main point. Somebody's counting on you. Somebody's counting on you to do what God has called you to do. It's way bigger than us, especially if you're in Christ. If you know Jesus, I'll guarantee you. Peter, Cornelius needed Peter to hear the good news, but it doesn't stop there. Peter needed Cornelius to learn that the good news was for all people. And I'll tell you something else. The church, that, that, that movement that Jesus died for, the entire church needed Peter and Cornelius to do what they did because they couldn't, they couldn't believe what was happening. Listen to this. I, I got to show you something else that blew me away. In verse 45, still in chapter 10, it says, this is how much they needed this, the church. The Jewish believers who had come with Peter, because he had people come with him to, to Cornelius' house, the Jewish believers were astonished Say astonished. I mean, they couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even to these, these heathens, these pagans, these Gentiles, these non-Jews. Isn't that nuts? Even after everything Pete, Jesus taught, they were astonished. What does that tell you? That tells me that even 10 years after Jesus commissioned his church, the church, for the most part, was excluding. It, it wasn't including. It, it was excluding. It was exclusive, you could say. It wasn't the hope of the world up to this point. It was the hope for a little remnant. It was the hope for a little Jewish, Jewish people, but not for all people. That's what, that's what that tells me. They were astonished that the Holy Spirit would even, I mean, what, what, what's the Holy Spirit doing with those, those Jews, or non-Jews, I should say? It's crazy. We can become, we, church, we can turn inward quickly. That's why I love that we're a new church and we can build culture and we can build our DNA and we can know that it's, that it's not about us. At least I hope we understand that when we come to know Jesus Right? Somebody's counting on you to do what God has called you to do. Well, pastor, I don't know what God has called me to do. I'll guarantee by the end of today, you will. Guarantee. God, what is God calling us to do? Um, so this church, they were astonished, and it brings me to a question like, are we really reaching out like Jesus wants us to reach out, or are we believing that we are? See, I bet the first church for the first 10 years thought they were doing great things. They had barely gone anywhere. They're not talking to hardly anybody besides Jew people and besides people that they know or people that they like or people that they're in, are in their inner circle. Are we really a church that, that is really outreach? I had to challenge myself this week, you guys, as people invite, and I, and I had to look at my life and say, Who, who's the last person I've really invited? You know, so this week I invited three people to church, but because I got on fire, I'm like, okay, I got to keep this in front of me. And I, and I know you got to keep it in front of you. And it's not just to build a big church. God, God is changing lives in his church. It's how he does it. So it's so huge. I don't want to be deceived. Are we going to be a church that's for all people? What if we really believe that God died for all people? What if we really want to be a church that says, welcome home and mean it? You're not only welcome here, that you're wanted here, and people actually feel it by the way that we love them. Isn't that who we want to be? What if we're a church that says, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you say or even how you look. You're welcome. Saying that makes me think of a story. This is probably over a year now. I was, uh, I, was um, I don't know, some store, and I was buying something, and this gal, this lady was checking me out, and uh, it didn't sound right. She was, we, were, <laughs> we were doing an exchange of goods, Whatever. We, you know, you get it. I was at the store buying something. So, but she, she, but the church came up. The church came up and, because uh, I brought it up. Because I was bold. I was more bold then than I am now. I'm, God's getting a fire back in me, I tell you. And uh, she, <laughs> she says, what she said right away, she goes, well, what's your doctrine? 
And I'm like, all right, we're going to play that way, huh? So doctrine. But no, doctrine's important, our beliefs. And I said, we preach the Bible. We believe it's true. Preach Jesus, crucified, dead, and then alive. That's, that's it in a nutshell. And she's like, and she kind of shakes her head like this. She goes, is it a formal setting? And then I thought about all of you and me, and I'm like, eh. I said, I, I don't know if I'd call Meadows a formal setting. I said, we're just glad when people wear pants. <laughs> and I thought I was being funny. She didn't laugh. I mean, I was like, dang, it's getting stuffy up in this place. She didn't laugh. And I, so I kind of said, you know, it's, it's, we, we, it's just pretty casually. I said, even the pastor, and she didn't know I was pastor. I said, even the pastor wears jeans. And she kind of shakes her head like this. And uh, <laughs> I, she should be happy I don't wear my jean shorts, okay? That, praise God for that. But, um, but, but, you know, after that conversation with her, you know what I realized? She wasn't probably looking for a church. Maybe she had a church. I don't even know. But, but from the demeanor, I'm guessing that she's not looking for a church overall anyway. What it sounds to me like she maybe was interested in is a club, okay? So a club is exclusive, Right? A lot of clubs you gotta pay to get in. A lot of clubs you gotta dress a certain way. You gotta look a certain way. You gotta talk a certain way. You gotta act a certain way. And I get that. Fine. Look for a club, find a club. There's probably churches that will be like clubs. I don't know. This ain't one of them. All I know is Jesus Christ, when I look at the gospel and I look at who he hung out with, he didn't die for no club. Okay? Jesus Christ did not die for a club. Jesus Christ died for the church. A church that doesn't, a church that doesn't worry about how we look, but we, we, we want to focus on how we love. Like there, there comes a time we got to stop judging. We got to start loving. People are messed up. I'm messed up and so are you. Why don't we start admitting it and loving each other in this mess and start pointing each other to Jesus who can change us. God's grace is for all people. Say all people. Yeah, it's all people. Oh, it's going to lower the bar. That's what the Jews were worried about. You know what? If we let the Gentiles in and they're going to eat that crap, they're not going to be like us. You know, if they're uh, circumcision, sorry, heist, but circumcision was a big deal. Really dicey subject, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, that was a big deal. Well, they got to be circumcised. They got to have our dietary. And, and, oh, and, if we, and if, we, if we don't allow that, we're lowering the bar. Do you think Jesus lowered the bar or raised it? I would say he raised it. If you were with us last week, you know what you learned? And if you weren't, you can watch it online. You learned that Jesus, he talked about the law and he said, the law says love others. But I say, love others and then love your enemies as well. Is that lowering the bar or raising it? We, we think, oh gosh, God's grace is going to let all the heathens in. Uh, you don't understand the grace of God for one thing. And, and, and plus, you, you might be the heathen, you know. I, I look at a heathen every morning in the mirror. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, I need the grace of God. And, and I believe you do too. But God's grace is so scandalous, and it's beautiful, and you, don't, you may not get it, but it doesn't lower the bar. So let's finish our story with Peter and Cornelius and the whole plot we got going on. So remember what happened last? you remember? Peter preached the gospel. All, everybody in that room got saved. The Holy Spirit entered into them. That's what happens when you get saved, by the way. So you would think now, Peter goes back to headquarters, back to Jerusalem, and you would think they're like, oh my gosh, we see the, the Holy Spirit fell on them. He entered into them. It, this, is what, this was what Jesus meant all along. It's happening. We can't believe it. The old laws are, are filled. Now it's something new. No more died like that. No more circumcision like that. You know, it's, it's, that's what they thought. And that's what happened. No, it's not what happened. Just the opposite happened. Opposition. Change always brings opposition. Some of you are desperate for change in your life. You will face opposition in it, I promise you, but know that God is with you. If it's his will, he'll see you through it. I promise. They, they, so this is, what, this is how the church responded. Acts 11, 
verse 2 and 3. When Peter got back after that miracle, he got back to Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered in the home of the Gentiles? You even ate with them? Dude, that's disgusting. They were appalled. They were appalled that Peter would even enter into the house. Think about that. They could not get it through their heads or their hearts that the gospel was for all people. They couldn't do it. They were holding on to something old. They and you guys, it would take a few more years before they really before before something really crazy happened. I'll tell you what it was. So, in the next few years, Saul, who was transformed into Paul, came on the scene. He is truly the one that would start to really bring it into all nations. He was that catalyst. So, Saul and Barnabas are out, and this is a few years later, and they're preaching Jesus plus nothing, Jesus plus no no old laws, no nothing, none of your rituals, none of your. None of that. It's just Jesus. Well, the problem is the religious people, they're, they're still talking a lot about circumcision. They're still talking a lot about, uh, they, they can't let it go. They can't let go of the old. And finally, Paul and Barnabas say enough. Uh, we're going to have another huge meeting. They call it the, the Jewish council or the Jerusalem council. It happened. And this is the, one of the biggest meetings that would, that would be the reason that we even exist over here today, that Meadows even exists, is this meeting. They say, forget it. We're, we're going we're to come to a head right now. And the only thing on the agenda, I wrote it down, the only thing on the agenda at the Jerusalem Council was this. Whether or not the Gentiles, non-Jews, who embrace Jesus also needed to embrace the law of Moses. Do they still need to do this old stuff, this old covenant stuff? Like we, 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 we hold in such high regard. Or is it truly Jesus plus nothing? That was the only thing on the agenda. And it was all the bigwigs were there. Saul or Paul, Barnabas, Peter, John, all of them. The whole, this is it. And, sh and guess who spoke up? Guess, you know who one of the biggest leaders of the first church was? James. James, the brother of Jesus. I'll show you why that's so significant in a second. This is what James says. This is what he summed up. This was his verdict in Acts 15, 19. It's my judgment here today that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles, these non-Jews, who are turning to God. In other words, the old is the old. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's what James said. What makes that so significant is, is James was the brother of Jesus. James would be the last person in the world that would ever embrace Jesus. In fact, James didn't embrace Jesus as, as, the, as the, the Savior until after the resurrection. Before the resurrection, he's like, my brother ain't nobody special. So if maybe you're questioning faith, or you're questioning Christianity, you're questioning the resurrection, one of the biggest one of the biggest proponents, one of the, one of the biggest facts that we know that the resurrection is real is because James, who did not believe, saw his brother risen from the dead and then believed. So James comes to the realization that, 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 that Jesus isn't just another person in a long line of prophets and teachers. But no, it, but Jesus is, is the end of the line. It stops with him. The Bible says it. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am all that was. I am all that is. And I am all that is to come. His name is Jesus. And it's only Jesus. It's him. It's it. Stop with your talk of everything else. Stop trying to make it so difficult. The Jews couldn't even do what they were asking others to do. They admitted it. We can't even keep all the rules. We got so many of them. But we expect you to do it. Jesus says, I just expect them to come to me. Just come to me all who are broken and weary and I'll give you rest. That's what Jesus says. The grace of Jesus Christ. Someone's call, someone is relying on you. 
Someone is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. I'll tell you that two things tied to this message. For you to do what God has called you to do, it's going to require relationships, and it's going to require results. See, sometimes I'm afraid that we go through life and we don't really have goals out there, and we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're really accomplishing something when we're not. You want results. I know you do. You want results, whether you're working out, whether you're pursuing a relationship, whether you're studying for a, um, a homework. You want results, and you should. You should settle for nothing less. Relationships and results, that's the end result here today. Relationships happen through the context of life groups. Life groups are critical for this church, critical for you. They're critical for me. Can I tell you something? My life group meets on Tuesdays. I will tell you what we talk. What, what I love about the series that we're in, Hope of the World, so all the life groups are studying the same thing through this, through this series. We all look at questions that pertain to the message that we hear. So this week on, on, at life group, well, it was crazy. It was different. We started off with prayer because it was some heavy stuff going on. It was awesome. After we prayed for each other, we got into some questions. And we're talking about, we're talking about God's grace, like we talked about last week. We're talking about forgiving others that we don't like. I mean, people that we want to kill and we're supposed to forgive them. How do we do that? You know, we talked about how can, how can this happen? We're looking at questions like, we asked, do serial killers really go to heaven? These are the things we talk about. It's weird. I don't know what we're going to talk about this week. We might talk about, do your, does your pet go to heaven this week? I don't know. I can answer that. If it's a cat, No. I, I just had to do that. It's been a while since I, you know, gave crap to all the cat owners out there. So there you go. Um, <laughs> we talk about a lot of stuff. We get real in life groups. I need it in my life. I need prayer. You might think the pastor, I tell you what, I need prayer. I, I need it in my family. I need it in my mind. I just need it. And uh, it was interesting. One of the things we talked about at the end was really about earning our salvation. It's like, what, how good is good enough? Like my confession when I was a kid, and I always got to be better, and I got I to gotta keep getting it right, and if I don't, God's mad at me, and then if he's mad at me, of course, I'm not going to go to heaven, and really earning our salvation, and, and you can't earn it. I hope you know, if you don't know that, I'm telling you right now, you cannot earn it. You don't even have to. Jesus, that's the grace of God. You do need to surrender to it. You do, you do need to receive it. You do need to believe it. Those things, you do, you do, you do have to play a part, trust me. It's, God, don't do it all. If he did it all, we'd all go to heaven. We all, we, I'd love to say we're all going to heaven, but we ain't. It requires us to, 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 to receive it. So we're talking about that in life group, and we're getting real. And it brought me to a, a scripture, two verses I want to give you that Paul, this guy, remember at that Jewish council, he was there. Paul wrote this to Ephesians, but this is all over the, this is all over the word of God. In Ephesians 2, 17 and 18, it says, Jesus brought the good news of peace to the Gentiles, okay, the non-Jews, who were far away. He brought peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us, say all. All means all. All of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Don't miss it. What Jesus Christ has done for you. Nothing you've done. You need to receive it. You need to ask him into you. You need to surrender your will, but it's nothing. You can't earn it. The cross already did that. The empty tomb already did that. I love that scripture because Christ did it. See, the, the Jews wanted to add something. They, they needed to earn it. You got to eat this way. You got to act this way. You got you to do this certain ritual. And then, and, and Jesus is like, the old is gone. I came, to, I came to bring something new. And they struggled. They struggled. You heard the plight today. But I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons I need my life group is when they pray for me and I get to pray for them, 
it's one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. There, there's tears, there's laughter. It's so real, it's so authentic, and it's so powerful. And for me, it's a perspective change. Like by the time I get to Tuesday, I need a perspective change. I need a slap because Monday, Sunday feels good, but Monday I start to go sideways and Tuesday I'm upside down, jacked up, and I don't know where I'm at. And I need my group. I need perspective. I need some Jesus. I need some love. I need some prayer, and I get it. This week was rough, though, I'll tell you that. After life group, I was back to <laughs> jacked up sideways on Thursday, you know? And I, I don't know, I'm just, do you ever have a pity party? You ever think, oh, I got it so bad, and they got stuff going on, and I can do that. And I was doing it, I'm like, man, this week has been tough, and just some dealing with some hard things personally. And uh, I almost need a second life group, but I don't have that, so God gave me a perspective change. And as I'm sitting there kind of feeling sorry for myself in my office, uh, a picture pops up on my social media feed. And uh, this is the picture that I saw. And, and you can see in the picture, and there was a caption with it, you, don't need a, you, don't, you probably don't need a caption. I looked at it, and I'm, I thought, well, first of all, why would that just pop up at that time? Why would that happen? And, and there's, this, there's a boy, he's four years old is what the caption said. So obviously struggling with cancer, sick from treatments. And I, I, I kid you not, you know how you some, sometimes you just get stopped in your tracks? This one did it to me. It did it to me. I, I don't even... And, I, and, I, and, I, and God, God wasn't telling me, Monty, what, you, what you're worried about doesn't matter. God cares about all your cares. He, he loves you. And there's nothing too small that you can pray to him. He loves that. He loves you. But I think God was telling me, Monty, man, there's broken people. There's people that are hurting. And maybe, Monty, you just need a little perspective change. Monty, today's your son's 12th birthday. Oh, by the way, he's healthy and he knows Jesus. By the way, Monty, your 14-year-old daughter is leading leaders at, at, at middle school. She's healthy. She loves me. And I look at people going through something that I can't even fathom. And I kid you not, my head dropped and tears started to flow down my face on the carpet. And I just, was, I'm like, I don't. And I think I just, God needed to show me something. There's some of you that you're going through stuff, maybe like this, maybe even something worse. I don't know. I just know that we go through so much in this life. But you know what really hit me in the picture? Is a sister. That's what really got me. The sister. You see her, don't you? You see what she's doing? Loving her brother. Hand on his back. There for him in his struggle. To me, that's a life group. I, it, it might be a crazy picture for a life group, but that's a life group. That's what my life group does for me. In my struggle, in my hurting, in my mess, in, in my mess, they're like, we got you. I love you. Thanks, sissy. Thanks for being here. I love that. There's something so powerful about relationships that will get us through the times that we can't get through. That's why I need mine. I don't know. I, so many of you are in them. That's awesome. If you're not, man, I pray that you're going to go to a table and at least inquire. I need it so desperately in my life. I, I, I do. But someone... Someone is counting on you to do what God has called you to do. They need you, and you need them, just like Peter and Cornelius and our whole deal. And even as I say that, there are people here today that you think, well, God can't use me, and I'm the one that's the wreck, and I'm the one that needs the help. Maybe that's the case. We all go through seasons, but I'll tell you what, God can use you. Don't let the devil lie to you. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. 
I've got a record. I've got felonies. I've been divorced. I've been divorced multiple times. Whatever you've gone through. I've got addiction. I've got secrets. I've got sin. I know. And God has grace. And God has forgiveness. And God has mercy. But pastor, I've got a past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Me too. Trust me. I've got a past too. But I'll say what I've always said. You know, God doesn't shut the door on your future because of something that happened in your past. So somebody in this place today, you know what you need to do? You actually need to leave the past in the past where it belongs and start to forge ahead to what God has for you today because he's not done with you yet. He's not. I'll say he's just getting started. God, will you move? God, will you do what only you can do? Look up here. I've given my Lord a million reasons to give up on me. A million. Maybe you have too. He never has. And he hasn't given up on you either. And he never will. This is the power of Jesus Christ. This is the power of love week. Remember, relationships, life groups. Results, results are love. Love week. What will we do? I believe one of the greatest things that you can do during Love Week, I'll say it, that's why there's invite cards on your chair. One of the greatest things you can do to love somebody else is give them that card. I'm telling you, I will preach the gospel every weekend in this church. I will, I will talk about hope. I will talk about Jesus. I will give them the word. That's what we need. And it will minister. You get them here. And, and I promise you, God will change them just like he's changing you. And if you don't think he's changing you, I promise you, we're the last ones to see it. He wants to change you, and he is changing you because you're here today. But how will we love supernaturally? How will we invite? How will we do it? And the greatest thing you can do besides inviting somebody is invite Jesus into you today. Don't miss the gospel of Jesus Christ in this whole thing. My gosh, don't leave here being a Cornelius without the Lord. Be him after the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you know from where you're at and how you live and your mind and your heart that you have the rituals and you can play the part and you can put on the mask with your friends or on social media, but you know when you're by yourself, there's a void that is so deep and disgusting in you. I've been there. I'm telling you, Jesus brought you here today to fill it. He makes it new. That's what the Bible says. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. That's what you need to do. Maybe you've gotten off track. Maybe you've never been on track. I don't know. I just know that Jesus Christ went to a cross. True story. Ask his brother James. If you, if you do get to heaven and you do call on the Lord, you'll get there. You can ask him. He didn't believe before. He believed after. Three days later, Jesus Christ would rise from the dead. Defeat sin, defeat death. Yet most people, the Bible says, will not accept it. And, and many think they have. That's what gets me as a pastor. Many people walking around, I'm good. I believe, but you haven't surrendered anything. You're, you still chase the world. You'll still chase uh, things that have nothing to do with Jesus. Are you sure that he's in you? That's my question. If you're unsure today, make it sure. Call on his name. Christ, come into me. Make me new. Holy Spirit, enter into me. Forgive me of my sins. I need you. I want you. Pray that prayer. Let us pray with you after the service. But don't leave here without that. It's the greatest gift in the world. And then once you have it, you can give it to others through an invitation. That's the church being the church. See, we, I believe that through the church, things can get better. Suffering can be relieved. Oppression can be lifted. Sin can be defeated. And lives can be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ and His amazing grace. Oh my gosh, God, we need you.
We love you. I'm going to pray for you. So, the first church, they thought they were on track. They weren't. I never want to be that church that's blinded to what's really happening. And I believe, I'll, I'll speak for me, as your pastor, I've, I, there's weeks or months even I've gotten off track. You get busy, trailers burn up, leadership has to happen, and all of a sudden you forget about the main thing, loving people. I had a guy call me this week. He's in a bad situation. I won't get into details. It's bad. I don't even know him that well. But you know what blew me away? He called the church. He's hardly connected to this church. And all I can think to myself is, I couldn't stop smiling, not because of the situation he's in. It's bad. But he called the church. He must think there's hope in the church. He must think that there's something here. That's, that's the church I want to be. I want to pray for you. Remember, relationships, life groups out there at a table. There's people waiting to talk to you today. Results, love week. I need to have God love me. I need to ask God into my heart and make me new. If you do that, man, fill the card out. Let us know. We'll celebrate with you. And then love others, invitations, loving, praying for people, buying people lunch, whatever you want to do. There's a list on the website. Let's do it. Let's be the church. I want to be the church. I don't want to be deceived in thinking that we're going into all our community and doing these great things. We're really not. I love you so much. I love preaching the word of God to you. If you walked in here hopeless, I pray that you have hope in you today. I pray that you know there's hope despite your dysfunctional mess that you have just like I have. Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He, despite where you've been, he loves you. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I just, every time you show me new things, and I believe you're showing our church what it means to truly love and, and put aside prejudices and judgments that we, we, we make even when we, do, we don't think we're making them. We make them. God, help us with that. Help us see people the way you see them. Every time I look at somebody and I get a judgmental attitude, God, you quickly tell me, here's what God, you'll tell me. Monty, I died for that person just as much as I died for you. And I need that perspective change in my life. Thank you, God, for <laughs> correcting me in so many ways. Thank you for the reminders that there's people going through so much in this world. They can't do it alone. They, they're not created to do it alone. I pray that they'll take steps towards relationships. First, first and foremost, with you. There's no hope without you, Father. There is no life without you. And there is no purpose without you. But with you, Jesus, well, all things are possible. I pray for our community. As we love them supernaturally this week, I pray that people, they'll, they'll be drawn into it. They'll ask questions. They'll receive it. They'll let us pray with them. They'll let us love them. I pray that the invitations that go out, are, are that they're receptive, that they fall on fertile soil, and that people will want to hear more about you and your love for them. So many people, what I realized in Life Group this week is so many people are walking around thinking that you're mad at them. And that, you're, that, that, that they, they have no place being in a church. They have no place even uh, thinking that you care about them. And the exact opposite is true. Yeah, we do things that disappoint you, but you love us anyway. That's grace. You give us favor when we call on you. You don't see our mess. You don't see our dysfunction. You see the love of your son, Jesus Christ, in us, God. I want people to know that. There's hope. In this place, there's hope in your word. There's hope in your son, Jesus. We'll never stop declaring it. We'll never stop saying it. God, we believe that in you, Father, the best is truly 
yet to come. If anybody believes that, say amen. Amen.